0: What's up, Halo fam? Halo Joe here. Just wanted to thank each and every one of you for checking out this new episode. Make sure to keep it tuned here to Halos in the infields baseball network all season long as we drop content every day. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Also, make sure to crack the like button and leave a comment. Make sure you also smash that bell icon to be notified every time we drop an episode or go live. Also, check us out on our other platforms, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. We can also be found on Apple Pod, PodBeam, iHeartRadio and Spotify don't forget to leave that five star review thank you again Halo fam and with that let's get this show on the road make sure you check out our sponsor over at 714 Tickets they take pride in providing their customers with transparent pricing and excellent service with 714 Tickets you don't have to worry about hidden fees or surprises at checkout the price you see is the price you pay Plus, our team is dedicated to ensuring that you have the best shopping experience possible. And as a special thank you, we're offering a 10% discount on your purchase as well as entering you in a drawing for a free Halo's Jersey. Also, 5% cash back on your purchase. Only when you use the promotional code HITI at checkout. That's H-I-T-I-E-D. Get ready to shop with confidence and discover great deals today over at 714 Tickets. Oh, and first pitch crushing!
1: Hey, hey, hey! Welcome into another episode of Halos in the Infield, the podcast, as we are going to be able to, unfortunately, dive in deep into the Miami series that just passed and sum up the homestand, which we went five and four. Uh, usually, that sounds good, but uh, we'll we'll tell you why it's not. And then we'll also talk about what's coming up next on the horizon, which is a road trip, which includes the Chicago White Sox, which we'll preview and maybe touch on the Houston series moving along. But I am your host, Todd Fox, with the other two hosts of the show.
2: Uh, Fernando.
3: Yes, who is no and longer Rob. Lone Star. Oh, and go ahead. And Rob, sorry, no longer Lone Star. I mean, what happened?
2: Well, I'm just in California for right now, but I mean – a great sorrow has came upon me because tomorrow I'll be back in Texas. Hey,
3: yeah. the bear goes everywhere.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what you have to do for work, man. So the traveling man will continue his travels.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, hey, it was nice to be back in California for a while. And it was nice to see, you know, a lot of familiar faces yesterday at the suite, man. That was a good time
1: yeah that was that was hella fun and uh it was good to have drinks with our boy Randy just missed uh, rob there and a few others but uh we will we'll get together very
3: soon I have a feeling
2: yeah yeah well I mean for the tailgate at least so yeah. once again except for rob again
3: <laughs> my buddy's wedding man i'm sorry i'll I'll try to try to cut out, but you know never goes over well it'll be no, the-, se-
1: the it'll be the second tailgate probably watch you'll see later in the year, especially if we're out of it and no well, we'll get to that anyway. Let's talk about what happened guys, because I want to say first off five and one start to the, to the, the homestand, you know, sweeping the Red Sox, getting back at them, taking two out of three from a first place, Minnesota twins team felt really good. And our optimism between me and Fernando was, Hey, I think we could sweep the Marlins and, or at least take two out of three, do the rally Chris special and finish seven and two on the homestand. What are your guys' thoughts finishing five and four after everything?
2: I think if you take five and four, like, you know, in a vacuum where nobody knows what happened, you know, you come out of a coma that, that lasted, you know, the entire homestand. And, you know, you tell someone, hey, you know, it was five and four against the Red Sox, the Marlins and, and the Twins. Somebody would have been like, OK, hey, that's not bad. And then like, when you tell them the context, like, well, it started really good and then it ended really bad, <laughs> you know, then it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, that's that's not a good homestand. So, you know, you and I predicted a sweep. We were kind of right, just not the sweep that we hoped for.
1: <laughs> True. What'd you think, Rob?
3: It's just disappointing to see. I mean, like you said, you look at it overall, it doesn't look bad, but just the way we played, coming off of an ultimate high and then finding that low real quick and just seeing the rest of the division, the AL West doing well. Because you look at last time, we were six and four, everyone else is seven and three, eight and two. Minus the Oakland A's, zero and ten. Right, you don't mm-hmm. want to be part of that. But anyways, you quickly fell out of third place contention. Now you're a half game back. Not a lot, but it's still it hurts because, like you said, the whole time, Houston's going to be there in the end. Seattle's going to be there in the end. The question is, is can the Rangers sustain it? Just and you go to a series like this, team below five hundred in the Marlins. Man, they didn't know it was a killer fish, but all of a sudden they got us right quick, and we beat ourselves. Don't don't get me wrong at all. It just we thought you're going to turn that corner. And now you're taking two steps back.
1: I agree. And, and here's, here's one thing that I'll ask you guys real quick before we dive into the Marlins series, Texas, since you brought them up, I want your guys' opinion. You know, you know what mine is. I've, I've rattled that off a lot in the post game, but I want to ask you guys on paper, are the angels roster better than the Rangers?
2: Um, I think it depends on what portion of the roster we're talking about. I mean, their starting pitching has been very solid so far for them. I mean, you know, we've been getting tagged constantly by people saying like, man, we should have gotten Nathan Avaldi. We, we should have really gone all in trying to get him. He's been a great signing for Texas and he's one of the biggest reasons why they've been so dominant and where they are, you know, we're at the point now where we're having to acknowledge like, okay, well, they're a legitimate playoff player contender you know once they get to the playoffs who knows what's going to happen but as of right now we're at the point where we're two months into the year and they're still there let alone still beating some solid teams
3: Rob yeah I mean before we talked about one podcast I thought they had the starting pitching to sustain it it was that middle part getting to that closer and even Will Smith himself as a closer has shown that he's not really dependable on it, but I look at it this way too. They're in a new ballpark, it's a pitcher's ballpark. There's some good hitters on that team who in the past have been good. And yeah, Nathan Evaldi, should we have signed him? It was such a big risk at the time. Guys coming off an arm injury. And as an Angel fan and everything, we're always scarred by that guy coming off an arm injury. Do you really want to take that risk? And then you get a guy on Tommy John, dead money. We have dead money all over the place right now with guys on the IL or guys not producing. But I still think offensively, man, they have what it takes. You look at these guys, it's just potential with Garcia out there, Seegers out there. Those guys just put the ball in play. Marcus Simeon, they make things happen. And you know what the thing is? They don't take a lot of pitches. They don't yep. take strikes down the middle. Where you kind of looking at that now compared to what we do. On paper, we're better hitting-wise. But in actuality, they're out hitting us. Why? Because they have a philosophy. They have a game plan going up there. As we've seen, I mean, going this whole series, you just watch these guys taking pitches down the middle and then – taking or swinging at pitches way out of the zone. I think they have what it takes to sustain a second place finish. I don't think at first place, I think Houston's coming in strong. is going to mold them over pretty quickly here, but I do see them contending for the wild card and staying in the wild card for playoffs.
1: Okay. Then my second question to you guys about the Rangers, because I like those takes is the fact that Bruce Bochy was out there. Did we know that he was out there or did he have a deal with Texas and he only would come in? Maybe they were the only ones talking to him. But hindsight being what it is, and we'll talk a little bit about the coaching aspect with the Angels. He, in my opinion, and I want to see if you guys agree or disagree or have a different take, has gotten the absolute most out of Texas so far in just the first year, where I thought this would be a bochi thing next year.
2: He's been one of the best managers in baseball for you know the better part of the last what decade and a half. You know, say what you want. Well, you know, he also had some clunkers with the Giants. Yeah. But anytime you win three World Series in the span of six years, (laughs) I don't care if you don't make the playoffs for the rest of that decade. I'll take three World Series in 10 years. Yep. I don't care if we don't win a single other game, you know, out of those, those non-playoff years. Great. We went 0 and 162. Cool. I got my three rings. I don't care. Uh, Bruce Bochy has always been a great manager. He was even a decent manager with the Padres. I mean, you know, he turned that 98, uh, wildcard team into a legitimate playoff contender. They made the world series, you know, got the Padres through a couple of, uh, bad team years, and then he kind of got fired for Bud Black, who was another good manager for the Padres. But I, I, that's a topic for a different day, but you know, you, you see it again. But before I let Rob go, I also just want to say I don't think that it's a good idea for the Angels to get these Bruce Bochy's, these Joe Madden's, these guys who are established because we've seen what happens. Mm -hmm. Do they have success elsewhere? Sure. I think the best thing the Angels need to do, find a guy, stick with the guy, ride it out with that guy. Look what happened with Mike Socha. He was, he was a nobody backup catcher for the Dodgers, came over, created a winning culture for the Angels, and we rode that hot wave for a while. Got us through you know, some great teams, got us through some bad teams. Unfortunately, he just kind of rode the course here in Anaheim a little bit too long, and most people will agree that he was just here maybe two, three years too long. But um, I think the stopgap managers need to stop here. Agreed. Rob?
3: Yeah, no, I agree with that. Exactly. You need a guy in here who needs to build a philosophy and a philosophy is not built in two or three years. Heck, it's not built one year for sure. You're going to need a good five-year plan and ride it out with him. I mean, he, this guy was in San Diego since 95. Mm-hmm. Dude, I was four years old and this guy started, right? <laughs> Looking at it now and I was 15 by the time he left and went to the Giants. They gave him that huge window and the Giants, the same thing. Yeah, he had those years where he was down, but he put in philosophy and then I looked up so I remember this in high school. Coach brought it up. He has four leadership lessons from Bruce Bocce that he coaches by and lives by. The first one was keep your team focused. He says you drift mentally. That's for sure because you're not putting all runs on these run on the board all the time. Is and you always play these tight games. So you have to keep focused. Two was always do what's best for the team. Three know what people are good at, and that I want to talk about right after. And then four, put your people in a position to succeed. Three and four we have not done in Anaheim since Socia was here in, in the 2000s runs. He, we are not putting guys uh, in a position to succeed. We don't know what our guys are good at because you brought in, you had Mike Socia at the end of his years and everyone criticized him. He was a small ball coach who manufactured runs and you gave him nothing but home run hitters who did not manufacture runs, did not steal bases and everything, didn't do the little things. Now, vice versa, you go and get a coach who's used to doing that all the other things right manufacturing runs what happens you still have these big time hitters you chase an Anthony Rendon not that I wasn't happy that we had him we got him at the time I was ecstatic right oh we got him but did he fit the philosophy the angels were looking for to build around Mike Trout who says he's a five tool player chasing managers like this won't help you I agree you need to chase a manager who's going to help with what you have and what do we have in our system right now good young pitching who needs to be developed we have hitters who are young undisciplined, but need that kind of right track and be pushed a certain way. Shohei Otani right now, people are going to hate on this take here. He's selfish. I do not like him right now as an angel. I cannot wait for him to leave at this point in time. I don't like that he gets to the side when he pitches. I don't like his undisciplined at-bats to plate. Sure, does he hit home runs every once in a while and help the team win and get those little hits here and there? Of course, absolutely. But how many times is he flailing out of the box, taking fastballs down the middle, then the very next pitch chases that slider away? Trout's closely coming into that conversation as well too, taking those good pitches. I understand you like to take the first pitch. You rarely swing, but guess what Trout? Everyone knows that. Mm -hmm. So they're grooving these fastballs down. There's such thing as that scattering reports. Granted, I don't know if the angels have used one in a long time because clearly our play doesn't show (laughs) that, but you can see if that's your MO, that Trout, you don't swing on the first pitch. What are you going to do as a pitcher? I'm going to groove a fastball right down the middle, right? That's all these guys are doing, but look at these philosophies overall. You need a manager who's kind – of, I'm going to be an advocate for Benji Gill. Fuck out the outside noise. You're not worried about anything else. You're going to coach your way. And if you succeed, you succeed. If you fail, you're going to fix those failures until you get success.
1: And and I'll, I'll say this. You know, those are uh, all valid points because, you know, right now, as far as Bruce Bochi's concerned, like Fernando brought up and you brought up too, not only does he have a track record of winning – and I get where Fernando's saying we need someone hungry that's going to know the system, analytics, perfect balance. But like you said, a philosophy, Rob, too, where, where again, we don't have that philosophy. And just with a couple uh, you know, that you brought up with Trout and Otani not being able to hit the ball, they're driving the ball too much, bunch of home run hitters. Miami sort of just came in here and schooled us and again, sort of like what Washington did when they took a victory from us on how to hit, how to be patient, work walks, make the pitcher throw pitches. And you don't have to worry about always hitting a home run. You can do the small things. I mean, they bunted several times because that's why I bring up Texas. Texas is is known like like you would think they're mashing the ball and killing people nightly. But if you watch any of their games, especially the ones they played us, they were bunting the ball, sacrificing the you know double steals, hitting runs, all the things that, MLB has given us tools to use and we're just not taking advantage we're still doing the the dumb things and also a team like Texas and a team like Miami although they're 500 they play non-selfish baseball and they don't make errors both those teams did not make errors when they played us Miami played airless ball they they sacrificed they took whatever we gave them and still, in that series, they were something like, I want to say, 10 for about uh, the last 34 with runners in scoring position. So they weren't exactly killing it. They just had a lot of traffic. But the times that they did score those runs and and got the, uh, the hits, they made the most out of them. And I think with the Angels, if you looked at it, they were something like four for, I want to say, 40. In, in in with runners in scoring position. I mean, again, they only did it a few more times than we did, but they made it count. And that's what the Angels just don't do.
2: I want to uh I want to touch on something that, that Rob said, expand on it and ask you guys something. So Rob started talking about Otani being a little more selfish lately in, mm-hmm. in terms of, of a batter. You know, and right now it's no secret. The guy is scuffling in in a big time way. I think like he struck out like at 13 times lately in his last like 30-ish at bats, something like that. I I saw the stat. Don't quote me on that, but I know he's in a double-digit strikeout zone right now. So did you guys think we would be in an era right now, actively, where there seems to be a split, and it seems to be more of a 60 40 split. It seems like most Angels fans are currently in the we need a trade Otani train. And then you have the 40% who are Otani fans. And that's the reason like the angels were like, no, we have to resign him. And yesterday in the suite was very telling to me, Todd. It seemed like almost everyone in the suite was on the, we need to trade Otani camp. Yeah. Not because he's not a good player, but because I, I think it's most angels fans, true angels fans have kind of already made up their mind. Like, okay, this guy's probably not staying. We need to get something for him before we get nothing for him. You know, will we get what we would have last year at the trade deadline? Of course not. But at least you're not walking away empty-handed. And I, I think a lot of Angels fans are also in the camp of, if we ride it out this year, we lose Otani and we don't make the playoffs, this organization needs a harsh rebuild. And you, you and I thought have talked to nauseam. 2016-2017 mm-hmm. was the year where the hard reset button should have been hit. I think, you know, cause Billy Epler signed right before the 2016 off season, mm-hmm. you know, we got, we made the, Yanel Escobar trade. We made the Andalton Simmons trade. So we kind of went in uh, at, at that time, you know, rebuilt on the fly as he called it. And, and he used to call it like uh, we're intending to contend. And that's what Billy Epler said for those four years, he was here. Five years, mm-hmm. four years. It was four years. Anyway. We, we never have hit it, when was the last time guys that we hit the hard reset button? Uh, I don't think I, the angels really ever have, right?
1: I I don't think since probably '96, 97 around there, and we're not No, I, I take that back. Uh, we were we were getting guys and still trying to go with your move-ons and stuff like that. so yeah, uh, I, I can't remember the last time they hit a hard reset. It's probably probably maybe 89, 90. Was before my time. Yeah, when they had
2: nobody on the roster, you know, and then you see these other teams, you know, the Cubs, the Royals, who won World Series by tearing everything down.
1: Yeah, completely. They went bare cupboard Mm -hmm. and and just tore completely down.
2: Exactly. You know, there's a lot of organizations that never have to do that. I mean, you know, the Dodgers come to mind. Uh, The Astros are another team. You know, they when they first came over, they were they were dog water when they left the NL Central and came over to the AL West, Mm -hmm. you know, so they rebuilt and they've been good for a a long time now. So we're in a situation, man, where the angels really, really need to get an identity. And I I think that training Otani and not resigning him for what he's probably going to get might be the best thing for this organization.
1: I'll just say this real quick before Rob goes on because uh, I know he's been waiting a second, but I, I just want to get this on my chest. Like as far as being a football fan and relating this to what happened with my team, you know, we were, we were forever six and 10, seven and nine, eight and eight uh, for about six or seven years. Couldn't draft anybody. Cause we're always picking in the middle of the draft. Couldn't get any really good players. And it wasn't until he decided right before Mike Holmgren came, Hey, we need a hard reset. And what happened two years later, or, you know, Mike Holmgren comes And the team starts to flourish and they take off because they did they they said okay we're gonna suck for a couple years we're gonna have a plan and they built it up and they went along and like you mentioned the other baseball teams The Angels need to do that, and I think with Otani, I think like Halo Joe's a huge Halo honk, you know, I I wouldn't call him a Halo honk, but he's a huge Angels fan. And even he said, you know, I want to enjoy him while he's here, but it's best we get what we can for him. Let's not let him walk. And if it's the case and we're out of the postseason or just not flourishing or not flirting very much with a wild card we got to get rid of them, dude. And we got to, and it's not the popular opinion. We're going to lose a lot of fans. A lot of people are going to you know, call the angels uh, backstabbers for letting them go or trading them or stupid or whatever. But in the end, dude, it's it, even if we get like one or two players back, that can potentially be something. It's more than what we would have got if we let them walk.
3: Yeah. I mean, I agree. At, at some point in time, you have to look at it. Is when are we going to rebuild and when's the hard reset hit? Don't say we're one player, two players away. Oh, we need a pitcher. How many times have we heard that? But yep. then last year in a 14-game tailspin of a freaking complete loss of everything, that's not a rebuild. When you're finishing consistently below 500 or at 500, you're not one or two players away. You're talking about overhauling almost to the point where I would even consider trout. you got to start the same at what,
2: thing yesterday.
3: the value of trout in the end is Mike Trout at 32 years old, he's 31, 32, whatever age he he's, right he's 31. 31 years old. Is he going to take you in the next five years to the World Series? And if the answer is no, because you need more than that, you get him, trade him away, and take what you can from him, the whole thing. Just like the Otani trade. The guy's walking. Even if you get one player, you'll be good. If Honestly, Dodgers, you want him? Send Bobby Miller over, and we'll take him in a heartbeat. <laughs> Give us something to build off of.
2: I want Dustin May little. also.
3: Oh. <laughs> arm problems, man. I don't want any – nobody with arm problems at all. If you have an yeah. arm problem, you can stay where you're at right there. Because look at Urias. Urias is unhappy as a Dodger. We'll take him too. We'll take him off your hands, take Otani. Because in the end, not only getting one player, you're getting three, in my opinion, because you're going to save that 50 to $60 million a year, whatever Otani wants in that. You can invest that and put those into th- two to three other players over the life of the contracts for them. And you have good young guys here. It just can't let the guy walk. And granted, I'm a huge Angel fan, right? Mm-hmm. I'm willing to trade arguably one of the best players to ever play the game in Mike Trout in order to have success. Because at the end of the day, did the Red Sox win the World Series with Ted Williams on it? No. no. They had benefited from a huge trade from him and get a whole bunch of players if it was like how it is today, right? Granted, mm-hmm. back then course, it wasn't like that. But... You got to look at it and just be realistic, but right? it goes back to ownership. It goes back to not having a manager. And a lot of the things too, I always wonder about it because we talked about before in Japan, it's you pitch every sixth or seventh day. Otani decides when he pitches, he can pitch the fifth day, pitch the sixth day, or he can even bounce you whenever he wants and coming on a fourth day off. If there's a day off in between, what ace wants to come in here with that there, what quality pitcher is going to come to the Angels And if he's hurting you on that end, Get rid of him. Get out of here. This is a team game. There's no I in team, but there is a me, and he's clearly showing that to me, Oh, That's and, what I think at least.
1: And real quick, look at what's ha- happened with Sandoval. I mean, who knows if that affects his starts. I know he only gave up two runs the other day, but he was starting before Otani, now he's starting after him. They bumped Jaime mm-hmm. into the rotation for him, and they bumped him out.
2: Yeah. So it's affecting
1: mm-hmm. guys, Uh, you know, their, their... –
2: Rhythm and routines. Uh, you know, starting pitchers are creatures of habit.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. One real quick thing I'll say, and I'll ask you guys this real quick, unless Fernando had another question, but just real quick, dude, like let's just say going to what Rob was saying and what we were talking about, Fernando, if they were to say, okay, let's trade Otani to get some players. And then in the off season, they find a trade partner and recoup what they can from trout hire a new manager with all the influx of, of, young talent we have is, you know, coming into the bullpen lately, starting pitching, um, we're obviously going to lose guys like Urshela or Renfro, or maybe we resign them if those contracts are gone. Do you think we have enough with a heart, with that kind of hard reset, losing our two pillars in the organization, to still contend, or you think it would take a two to three year plan?
2: There. So let me say this: if we're in a situation where a hard reset happens, we're talking about three to six years of the worst baseball we've ever seen in our lives. And the problem is the angels don't have any trade pieces. Mike Trout's value, no matter what is not what it would have been five, six years ago. Mm -hmm. And I get, you know, five or six years ago, there's no way on God's green earth. I would have ever traded Mike Trout because he was a cornerstone of the organization. And before Otani, he was our guy. He was the guy. And as of right now, I would hate to see Mike Trout play for any other organization. You know, Todd and I will tease the guy because he's not clutch in, you know, the bottom of the Anthony like yesterday. But that doesn't change the fact that this guy is arguably the best baseball player I've seen from beginning to end of his career. So with that being said, I would hate to see him on what the Phillies, let's just say. But at the end of the day, who else in this organization where we stand let's just say you know Otani's a non factor cuz you traded him who else where we sit right now has trade value you know because most of these guys are on one year deals ershela's gone you know uh god who's he uh renfro yeah renfro that's exactly the name i was looking for he's gone taylor ward doesn't have any trade value right now that's all i keep seeing on the in the comments oh well we need to trade ward trade ward the guy's not worth a lick at the current moment he's batting 230 you know he he isn't reliable in the outfield. Nobody wants to take a chance on that right now. You know, maybe part of the package, sure. You know, you're not going to get much for Adele right now. You know, if you're packaging with somebody else, maybe. is not worth anything right now. The only guys who are worth anything is, you know, if Ohapi was still healthy, sure, he's worth something. But you're not trading Ohapi because he's a cornerstone. Neto, he's probably worth a lot right now. But you're not trading him because he's a cornerstone, especially without Otani or Trout. So where we currently sit... The Angels are legitimately screwed for the foreseeable future. Who are you going to trade? Sandoval, Detmers? Those guys are worth something. But those are guys you view as cornerstones. Walsh isn't worth anything. What are you going to get for him? Yeah, That's what I'm saying. No matter which way you look right now in that clubhouse, is there pieces? Sure. But the pieces that are worth anything, the Sandovals, the Detmers, the Nettos, you don't want to trade those guys. And if you do, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. It's a catch-22. You either have to take this down to the bare studs and become the Oakland A's for the next three to six years and be okay with that, or you're going to have to keep doing what we're doing now and rebuilding on the fly. So either way, guys, we're in a situation where this is going to be three to five years of sucking. I can live with that. If they, A, commit to Perry, which there's a lot of Angels fans are going to get pissed at me for saying that, but at that point, you have a direction. I can live with a direction. I'm an Arizona Coyotes fan. We have Bill Armstrong. Bill Armstrong took the Coyotes down to the absolute bare studs, traded Oliver Ekman Larson, the captain, got a King's ransom. And he's made these other moves that are questionable, but now the Coyotes have like 47 draft picks over the next four years. You can't trade draft picks in baseball. A lot of people don't know that. You cannot. So the best thing you can do is take your team down to the absolute studs, become the Oakland A's, be mediocre for three to six years, but at least you have some direction.
3: Yeah, no, I, I agree. You exactly what Fernando said. and You need to do something here because your current process isn't working. Signing these big names. And to add that, I'm looking, I, I'd rather than be more like a Tampa Bay because I don't know if, can you guys tell me without looking up? besides Randy Rosarina, name me three players that play for Tampa Bay.
1: Glass now. Um...
2: Margot. Yeah, Margot. Margot.
1: Margot. Mm -hmm.
2: Um Flores? I forgot his first name.
3: Yeah, look that one up. I'm not sure there's a Flores.
2: I think there is. Well Wander Flores?
3: Oh, Franco. Wander Franco. Wander Franco.
2: Okay, that's what it was.
3: So now you take that into this whole philosophy of rebuild, and look what they've done. They've been in contention for five years plus. They'll have a down year or two in their contention for five years plus down year and two, the angels we're not even sniffing the playoffs yeah but, but, but what, guys, what's the
2: difference there with the with the rays why are the rays successful
3: because they have a game plan going in they have a philosophy that you have to buy into to get there and they only target those players that work around that philosophy they yes. don't go for those big names
1: and yes. they have good scouts i mean they don't great great scouts great scout and, and great
2: player development
1: yeah they great. don't they don't put money in that stadium, but they sure as I mean, we're not putting any money in the stadium either. Let's take that scoreboard money and let's put it into scouts.
2: Cause that's what I'd pay for. We have a friend who'd be upset that you said that <laughs> <laughs> you met him yesterday. Sorry.
3: Well, uh, Todd, you said how many times that the uh, scouting staff for the angels was diminished completely when already took over. And I do believe that Tampa Bay has the second or third highest payroll for scouts because they have a plan and they're executing that plan. And let's be honest in Florida, you're paying these scouts, what, 80 grand a year, maybe 90, yeah. which mm-hmm. goes a lot further than it does here in California. Livable exactly. Livable wage overall. And it's an Anaheim thing, man. Cause I'm a huge ducks fan and ducks have failed to rebuild and they needed to for a long, long time, stuck with these older guys. And we're kind of doing the same thing. And like you said, I wouldn't trade trout five years ago. I trade them today to see what's out there because this guy's hitting 270, 280 still, I, I still think in my heart, just as an angel honk and a trout honk, he's the best player of all time. I like him in situations I think he does well every single game. And even when he's not hitting, he's doing the little things that matter, hustling every time ground ball, right? You see him sprinting it out, chasing the balls down, throwing it in, doing the right things. But in that, he's at the wrong side of 30 for us. We're on the wrong side of the organization. What we needed to do. And all these young guys have no value. All these, excuse me. All these young guys have the value. All these old guys have no value. And to go, like you said, you can't t- can't trade Ward, cannot trade Ranjifo, can't trade Adele, Tyler Anderson, Aaron Loop. All those guys are little small pieces that are dumps in a trade when you give a huge name. If you give Shohei Otani up, you say, hey, we'll give you Shohei, but you got to take these contracts for us. And the, those other teams will. They'll take them yep. and DFA them the next day.
2: That's what I would, that's, you know what? That's a good point that I didn't think about. I wonder if we could at least trade Otani, get a prospect or two, and convince a team to take one of these bad contracts, especially the teams that don't mind, you know, overpaying. I'm looking at the Mets, but they're not doing amazing where we currently stand. Maybe at the trade deadline. Well, the Dodgers would do it in a, you know freaking heartbeat. Well,
1: see, that would be the one thing you'd have to do. It you'd have to do a deal with the devil and. Would the Angels do that? Because my thing would be this, and I probably take some slander for this too. Although it just depends on who the fan is. I'm obviously not a Rendon fan, but if you're if you're at that point where it's like, look, you can have Shohei Ohtani. We'll take those two prospects, and all you got to do is eat the contract of Rendon. Would you? Do? Nobody's
2: taking that deal, dude. We're talking about a hundred million dollars. Nobody's paying essentially hundred and thirty million dollars for Shohei Ohtani.
1: Yeah, but but they're taking him as a rental right now. You know what I mean? Like, so. I mean,
2: well, well, okay. But who has that payroll? Who's trying to contend? Because once again, you know, if we're talking the Dodgers, the Mets, you know, the Padres, any of these kind of teams, the Rendon, you're going to be paying him $36 million for the next four years, but they and, could uh, value three they, years they, and whatever he's owed this year.
1: They could value him in their system. What if they say, Hey man, he'll hit better with us. You know, Dude,
2: the only way you get someone to take Rendon is if you give up Zach Neto, right. Oh, a healthy, Ohapi, maybe even trout. Because they need a long-term commitment to get someone to take a $100 million thing. Because all I ever see, and I'm sure you guys see it too, because you guys comment on our question of the day is, well, they need to trade Rendon or any of the he's injured posts. Well, we need to find a trade partner. Nobody's taking Rendon unless you give up a giant piece. That's a lot of money. Yeah. That is franchise-changing yeah. changing money.
3: Yeah, or you got to eat half that contract, and you got to pay cool. for your guy to compete against you.
2: Exactly. And what's going to happen if we do that? That's probably when he gets healthy, and that's when we're talking about Josh Hamilton keeping us out of the 2015 playoffs.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, that was, a,
2: that was a highlight of that season when he hit a home run when the Angels were still paying him for the Texas Rangers, which ended up costing us that playoff run.
3: Mm-hmm. You look at it this way too with Otani. If you trade him at the trade deadline, he gets paid thirty million dollars a year. Divide that by 162. It's 185 thousand dollars per game, and you give 60 games left. Team's only going to pay him 11 million dollars. It's not a huge. I mean, 11 million dollars to possibly win a World Series. The Dodgers pay that up front. So you, I'm sure you could dump another contract, an Aaron loop contract, on them real quick. Hell, they may even want Tyler Anderson back. Even though I, I was wrong about him. Now I think he's turned that corner and figured it out a little bit because he's been pitching pretty well the last couple starts. But yeah, overall, you're not going to take – no one's going to take Rendon. No one's going to take any of these lame contracts. The Angels got to go bear studs overall. And then you got to look at it this way. Sandoval and those guys, what are they left? One year left in their rookie contracts? Mm-hmm. Do they want to stay?
2: Let me look. Course, I think you to go rebuild.
3: two. They have two? Yeah, you got to rebuild and you get a disgruntled young guy there, and they want to leave too. So you got to find guys who are willing to come into this and rebuild. And I think a couple years ago, Sandoval and those guys would.
2: He's not afraid free agent until 2027, Rob.
3: Oh, wow. Wow. So, we so he just
2: entered arbitration this year.
3: So he stuck with us. That's good. I mean, that's a good thing, at least for us. <laughs> well, yeah, but once again,
2: I mean, you know, that's a guy who we look at at the cornerstone of a future rotation, but he's also one of your only guys right now that has trade value. That's what I'm saying. The angels are in such a bad position. And that's what happens when you have a front office, that's not committed to, to the minor league system, because for years, we were signing, you know, the Pujols, the Hamiltons, the CJ Wilsons, which were costing us those first round draft picks. Nowadays, you know, if you sign a guy who declined a qualifying offer, it costs you a second or third round pick. Not to say that's still not a hit to your franchise, but that's a big difference between a first rounder. And, you know, for anybody who's naive and thinks that that doesn't matter, look where we are. Mm -hmm. Look where this organization is. We are – completely screwed right now and it, it, it sucks to say and you know for anyone who's gonna click off and be like these guys are idiots we're a podcast who covers this page for free let alone the fact that i mean we've invested cohesively thousands of dollars into covering this team and the fact that we're saying hey we should really do a hard rebuild and we're committed to covering a, a crappy team for three to six years tells you everything because we want to see winning baseball
1: yeah, I mean, if you if you don't have a direction and, and you don't have a game plan, there's really, I mean, you're just going season to season to do what they've done the last eight years. And the last eight years is just patchwork and see what happens. Throw it against the wall. See what happens. If anything sticks, then stick with it. But it leaves you in situations where this year at least you were able to be like, okay, you know, we're, we're miles ahead at certain points of what we had last year. We, we can let some of these minor leaguers sit down there and get better. We don't have to rush them up. Um, but, you know, lately injury has changed that narrative. But, you know, for the most part, we thought the pitching should stay in 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 some sort of uh, cohesiveness. And it has. But the hitting's been bad and there's been errors been made. So it's like we're to me, this mediocrity or mediocre season in a season where we are kind of screwed, whether we choose to contend and just keep putting things, you know, adding pieces or we just do a hard reset and then the expiring contracts and everything with it, we actually do have a team that can't compete right now, but it it's glaring. Like, I don't know if you guys see it. I just see no discipline, no accountability on this team. Um, you know, the pitchers aren't coming out there like what we were talking about in the suite the other day with this John Lackey, uh, um, you know, type attitude or, or Jared Weaver type attitude, like holding guys accountable and themselves the hitters look very lazy, like like uh, like Ward up there, sw- you know, flat swing. It just seemed like I th- I was willing to give Marcus Thames a, a a chance, you know, like to go out there and switch philosophies and get scouting reports. Like Rob said, it doesn't appear to be happening. The same miscues, the same terrible at bats are are constant with this team, and I think that there's also things that need to be tweaked on pitching because we're throwing sweepers, you know, over the plate on Oh, two counts when we should be trying to get them to chase, you know, and, and, and with two outs, it just doesn't seem that there's that mentality of, Hey, let's end the inning quickly. No, it's, it's, let's just throw a fastball down the middle, see what happens. And we give up hits home runs. That kind of stuff is, is killing this team.
3: Yeah, it is. And there's one thing. And I remember I was 15 years old, Bud black was holding a camp and I went there and the angels don't do this anymore. He called it a five spot fastball. And I was like, what's a five-spot fastball? The black corner of the plate to the next batter's box line, the inside of that line. There's that little groove right in there. And a hitter will chase that pitch on an 0-2 count if it's a fastball because they don't want to get it blown by them. And he called it a five-spot fastball. And he lived and they died on that in 0-2. He preached that the whole time. He goes, because you're forcing the hitter to make a decision. And nowadays, with these guys pitching so fast, it's like that back to those hanging all those pitches and everything you're right we're just not doing the little things and that's all it is it's all these little things in this game that lead up to victories all the little things that make you go to the world series and let you win that world series it's not these big home runs yeah they come in clutch don't get me wrong i'm not saying home runs don't matter but it's getting there it's making that routine double play at home not balancing a 55 freaking foot throw and all yeah. those things and the ending blows up on you because the rest of your defense gets flat footed when you start making errors like that, not doing the little things.
2: I don't know. Rob needs to listen to that. Uh, Roger Lodge sports lodge introduction again, where uh, he plays that Gibson big home run in the world series. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. Home runs make a big difference there in that moment. Uh,
3: yeah, no, that would did. Yeah. I mean, Hey, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Clutch home runs, but of course. how many home runs decide a world series?
2: Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. So, uh, Well, I mean, I get 2002, there was that big home run uh, that uh, Spezio hit, right? I mean, that wasn't the game-winning home run, but that was certainly the momentum-shifting home run. But I get what you mean. You can probably count on one or two hands out of the, you know, hundreds of years that baseball has been going on. But uh, let me ask you this, because you brought up the Ducks. So my ex-wife and her family were giant Ducks fans, and their last deep playoff run was like, what, 2017? Yeah. So I remember in 2018, they made the playoffs and I think they got bounced like first round. And I remember telling them at that moment, like, you guys need to trade everyone. Gibson still had value. Scory Perry was still Scory Perry. You Mm -hmm. know, um, Kessler hadn't had that whole uh, situation yet, you know, off the ice. So, you know, they had a lot of pieces that still had value. You know, uh, Gibby still had a lot of value before that giant contract. And I remember telling them, like, all right, if I was the Ducks, this is where you tear it down. They're like, no, you're crazy. And, like, you know, last year when, you know, we were still together and, you know, I was still talking with their family, I had told them, like, hey, how do you feel now? And they were like, you're right. We should have just tore it down in 2018. Uh, You know, as a Ducks fan, do you think that was kind of, like, the time? Like, do you have that moment now of, like, regret kind of like we do as Angels fans now? Like, you know, maybe we should have torn it down.
3: No, back then I thought we should have torn it down too because we had good young defensemen at the time but they were missing the scores and goalkeeping was up and down. And once, I'm a big Kessler fan because right. I play hockey still. I'm not as good as everyone else that skates by me. I'm a pain in the ass just like Kessler was, man. I'll I'll get in your hip pocket right there. And once you lost that little grit from him and you kind of saw all the pieces falling around, yeah, you guys are good to make playoffs. You're going to make it every year, for the next couple of years, hopefully, which was not the not the truth at all. But then after that, these mega contracts are coming up. These young guys are out of the rookie contracts, and you're going to lose all the value for them because there's no control over them, trading for half a season for a rental player. And yeah, yeah we're, we're exactly here with the Angels. like You are the Ducks, and Ducks should have done it. But stubbornness of the Samuelles, of the ownership, to want to, no, we're going to make a run. We're going to make a run. I thought, 17, they lost the conference finals against the Nashville Preds. We should have won that. But I honestly thought the worst one for us overall was the 15th. When we uh, were going against the Hawks, that was the time we were going to win it. And we just didn't have what it took to uh, take out the Hawks. And then the, other, the year before that, you lost the Kings. And you kind of look, you were there, contention-wise, you were one, two players away. But if you don't get those one, two players, just like the Angels, you're still those three pitchers away in the starting rotation. You never got those key guys. You're getting projects. You just kind of need to go all in one way. If you're going to go all in, you're going to dump all the money, like the Rams. Perfect example. They knew that window was one or two years max. Yep. Dumped all that money in there. They came out. They got lucky. They won right there. And I'll say luck because Joe Burrow throws that touchdown pass. What's his name? Fell over. Jamar Chase wins that Super Bowl. But Absolutely. you, You dump it all in or you're all out and you're rebuilding. And Artie Moreno, he's stubborn. That you guys have alluded to the whole time. He just, he's arrogant at this point in time. Yep. It's no longer stubbornness, it's arrogance. Because you think this team's going to win a World Series? Could we, yeah. could we make the playoffs? Possibly as a wild card? Yeah, but who knew Texas was going to be this good and Seattle's going to be a pain thrown on our side? And look at the AL East. Isn't their last place team better than our second place team? I mean, come on, you're going to have some issues there
2: the the way I see it right now, the angels literally have the two options we've already talked to nauseum here about tearing down and rebuilding or literally this is your year. You have to mortgage the farm to come through this year and then consider tearing it down. But once again, I just, I, I don't think we're a piece or two away where we sit. I mean, we haven't really talked about the Marlin series, but I, I think it's because we're not excited to talk about it. There's nothing to talk about. It, well, go, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead,
1: Finish I'm sorry.
2: No, I, I, I really had nothing else to say.
1: Oh well, well then we'll breeze through it. We'll 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 take on the White Sox. But all I'm going to say is they really have three players you had to watch out for. And Solaire being the number one guy who was coming in red hot on a three-game home run hitting streak, and he hit two more home runs in back-to-back games to start the series off. You know the Angels again couldn't finish an inning in Game One. Uh, without giving up runs, you know, so they would score a run, give a couple right back. So that's how that game went, six to two, a, a terrible loss there. And then the eight to five Saturday game, the you know the Marlins were trying to give us the game, and we gave them three airs. Uh, we came back, we tied the game, looked good. Extra inning mistakes, a dropped ball by by uh, Moniac, who everyone had been touting on, and you know Nevin sits Moniac for two uh, two straight days. He comes in there, um, tries to make a basket catch for whatever reason. That let the floodgates open. And had he made that catch, they only score the one run in that inning. Gio Urshela ties it right back up in the bottom of 10th. But unfortunately, they ha- it was three more runs. They lose that game 8-5. to five, And then yesterday's game, it was 2 nothing. It felt like 7 nothing. You know, the Marlins were doing all the little things. Again, they were failing with runners in scoring position. And still they scored two runs. And the Angels put up a big goose egg, including having the tying runs on base and Trout hitting a flare, which was caught to end the game.
2: Yeah, some good defense really cost the Angels. I mean, you also had the Hunter Renfro uh, hit, you know. It was right off the end of the bat. Could have gone over the second baseman's head, but a, yeah. a stellar play ended that rally. And the same thing with Trout. A stellar play ended the the end of the game there. We, we could have been talking about a tight game, but that ball fell in.
1: Yep. Yeah, I mean, the series just was – I mean, look, Skip Schumacher is not a household name as far as a manager, but he looked like a seasoned veteran against Nevin. Again, this coaching staff is, is, is for me, getting an F so far because with the talent we have, you know, Bruce Bochy, again, I still believe this team is slightly better than the Rangers. And he's getting – On paper. Uh, yeah, on paper. He's getting the most out of them because they have a cohesive, like Rob said, a mentality, uh, you know, a direction – and this team doesn't. And 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 there's too much lackadaisical play on pitching and on hitting to where we're not holding guys accountable. We're not doing the small things. The fundamentals suck ass right now. The only one that's been trying to teach fundamentals is Benji Gill. When they, when they brought it up, he's had a few before games, and before batting practice, workouts with the guys, extra workouts. You know, there has to be some sort of accountability to this team, benching guys for, for not good play. Not just saying, hey, well, Taylor Ward's Taylor Ward, so he gets to start. No, screw that. You know, like like, there's been a lot of unconventional, just a lot of games I've watched where Nevin has just been outmanaged every single time. And and the hitting instructor is not really helping these guys. Again, I've said it before, i say it again. They are coming in there with the same dumbass approach, whereas other teams will be like, okay, we need a couple runs. It's getting late It's to seventh inning onward. Let's shorten up our swings. Let's try to get guys on base. Let's look for a walk. Or let's put the ball in play. And I just don't see that kind of in-game adjustment that we saw last year with, you know, nothing happened last year, and we could kind of say, well, it was mostly talent. It was bad coaching. We get new coaches. We have better talent, and it's still the same thing. That's what's frustrating.
2: I go through waves all the time with Phil Nevin. I want to like the guy because he was one of my favorite childhood players. So naturally, you know – you you tend to sympathize with one of your favorite childhood players when they're struggling, you know, in a new role as a manager. But what I will say is I I'm officially, I think at the point where I'm starting to be out on him and it's not even because he makes some bad calls, but let's take yesterday's game. For example, we ran what you would consider to be the angels B lineup, right? You know, we had Renfro sitting, you had Ward out there. You had Neto sitting, uh, you had Wallach sitting. So we're in a situation where like, okay, we're about to get swept. We're going to run. We're going to give some guys the day off. By the end of the game, you had your B guys out and your A guys back out there. So it's like, okay, well, I'm going to give these guys the day off. No, we're about to get swept. I'm going to put these guys in. What the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. Why even do that? Why not just run with your A squad then? What was the point of giving these guys a bat or two off just to put Renfro in there? Why? Why are we sitting Moniak who's your hottest hitter right now? Instead of well putting Ward and then Phil Nevins like well we need this team's better if Ward's hot. Yeah, of course this team's better if Jose Suarez is pitching like an ace. <laughs> this team is better if Shohei Ohtani is hitting a home run every game. We can play the what if game all the time, but baseball is a sport of streaks, being a hot hitter, being a cold hitter. Right now Ward is your weakest link on the roster. You can put him with guys like Rehifo right now. They're not hitting, you know, if a guy truly needs a day off, sure. If Mickey Moniak comes up to you and says, Hey, you know, Phil, I'm tired. Okay. That's one thing, but I doubt he's saying that right now. He's been up for what a week. You know, he's a 25 year old kid who's riding a hot streak. I'm sure this guy can play every game for the rest of the season at, at this point. Mm-hmm yeah, this team's better when Ward's hot, Phil, but he's not hot. He's not getting hot right now. Why are we putting him in these, you know, premier spots in the lineup to try to turn it around when it's obviously not working, ride your hot hand. Do you want to keep your job long-term? It's just, I I'm starting to get really frustrated with some of these calls Phil Nevin makes because he's making them cohesively at the same time.
3: Yeah, it's, Going back to what you guys said, but Skip Schumacher outmanaged Nevin, uh, you saw that clearly, especially when uh, – was it the bottom of the ninth yesterday where he brought in Wallach mm-hmm. and then they changed yeah. pictures on him? I knew that was coming. That was textbook, textbook, high school baseball type thing. <laughs> You're going to play the matchup on a way for you to put your guy out there first and you put him in the game, and I'm going to go out there and take him out. And Skip Schumacher, he's from where I live. He's from Torrance right here. And he had this thing called the refinery. It was a baseball workout place, right? All these people work out there. He preached one thing only, get on base. Anyway, anyhow, he didn't care. That's all he preached. And if you were struggling to catch up to a fastball and everything, crowd the plate, let it hit you. It's okay. It won't hurt that bad. Granted, this is a little not major league, right? guys, guy's throwing 100 and plus, but whatever. But you look at Nevin. What does he want from these guys in situations to come up? Because Skip Schumacher obviously had a, hey, guy gets on second base. You're the number eight hitter, you're bunting him over. This is why this is your role on the team. And every guy has a role, it looks like, overall. Hell, Garrett Cooper got another guy from Torrance here. He knew his role when he got up there, right? Drive the ball. It's all you need to do. Drive the ball, get in the ball in the outfield, get it up in the air, make him make a play. Moniac drops that ball. He gets benched the next couple of games. And I look at it this way. A young player like that is so fragile in the mind, especially after he had a great spring training, got sent down, and goes, I don't know why I was sent down kind of like how we did with Odell, kind of played all these mind games with him. I'm more willing to put a guy in there who made a mistake yesterday because he's going to be hungry to come out today. I need to produce for this team and that mentality there. And I think he has that grit, whereas Nevin, he doesn't have that. We don't know what's going on. And to go back to Benji Gill doing work with guys, why was Patrick Sandoval so freaking good in the World Baseball Classic and not here? Because guess what? He knew what day he was going to pitch. Benji Gill came to him and said, if we win here and USA wins and we're playing Japan, game one that uh, knockout round or game two that knockout round, you're pitching against Japan. He knew that for a week what he was going to do. He had four days to prepare. Fifth day went out and pitched. and He freaking pitched a gem out there. But now, like you said, he comes out, hey, you're starting Saturday. I'm kidding. You're starting Sunday. Maybe. We'll see. Whatever Shohei wants to do. No. What the frick's my plan? And Berea, oh, you're starting Wednesday. So, you know, put the turfs on, relax today. Actually, go put your cleats on, go in the bullpen, start warming up. These guys have systems. And to what Fernando said, it's your day off, it's your day off, period. Unless you go coach, put me in, I want to hit. Because I think this way too. You have a guy like Renfro, giving days off, You want him to get hurt, trout, same thing. I'm more worried about a guy sitting on the bench for two hours, cold, than trying to get hot real quick and go in a game getting hurt than I am for him saying, hey, I'm going to play you one extra day. To, you know, we need to win this Absolutely. game today and getting hurt. You're more likely to get hurt coming off cold off the bench like that. It just – Nevin doesn't have it. I'm a Cal State fuller congrat grab myself, so I was rooting for that guy that whole time, man. I wanted him there. I thought he showed grit last year. He took accountability in New York every time he got called out for sending a runner home from third base. He accepted it. But now it's kind of like, oh, it's not me, it's the players. No, it is you. Put the players in a position to succeed. This is baseball. Your whole job is to manage them. I don't care if you have freaking Jesus Christ out there himself playing baseball. If you think you see something from the outside, you need to take responsibility and manage that situation. If not, why do we have you? Let player coaches go ahead and play, right? What's the difference at this point in time? It just we just need to make a decision on what we're gonna do. Are we a small ball team? If we are, go ahead and start working on it. Trout gets a leadoff double, otani bunt over. And that's another thing. Please switch otani and trout in the rotation. You saw, in the batting order, excuse me, you saw them walk trout. Because guess what? Otani's going to strike out, especially a guy like today. I mean, we'll get into the series of coke check. This guy like today, 60, 60% of the time, fastballs, guaranteed. Guy throws a killer fastball. What's the other pitcher? Slider in the dirt. We're going to get so many swing and misses today. I'm already seeing it. This guy walks tons of people. We'll get into that. But just looking at overall, Buster Posey in San Fran. What was he not afraid to do? Want the baseball. Brandon Belt. Bunt the baseball. Uh, now, I can't think of the guy, Aubrey Huff, bunted the baseball when he had to do. I don't care who you are. Runner's on second base. You're down 2 nothing, and it's the seventh inning. Bunt the freaking ball. You're fast. It's not like Shohei Otani. You're not the worst bunner on the team. You're probably the best bunner on the team with the best speed on the team. Help your team succeed. Take the out for the run over at third base and try to get him in. You have two chances after that instead of going three guys, three up, three down after a leadoff double
1: hein is a is a catcher for the rangers right he's one of their best catchers or is their best catcher
2: jonah Hine, yeah
1: yeah yeah i've seen him twice in the angels series and including another game against atlanta drop a bunt and it worked every time whether it was a sacrifice or he actually got beat one out against us so yeah I, i'm i i agree and buy what rob's selling right there and that's a bochi thing and that's a manager like that we don't have one like
2: yeah. It, you know, Phil Nevin is the manager in perhaps the biggest single Angels season possible, you know, because no matter what happens, this season is going to define this organization for the next 10, 15, 20 years, because Otani's either staying or going. And, you know, he's a franchise changing player. So, you
1: know. And to Rob's point real quick, that was telling. I forgot all about that. I think me and you looked at each other, too, in the box. Walking trout to get to Otani. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's like usually if, if these guys are hot, you're like, pick your poison, man. Who do we go yeah. after? And the fact they went against Otani, and Otani's been as bad as he's been, good grief, man. I mean.
2: Man, they blew it right past him, man. They made him look silly that I bet. They did. They well, good did. morning, good afternoon, good night.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we barely were like, they were barely announcing Shoei Atani. We were still clapping and it was like, strike out. <laughs>
2: like, what? It's like the old, like, uh, Disney cartoons uh, with like Goofy or whatever. The balls are like, coming in slowly and he's just like swinging. He swings like three <laughs> times before the ball gets there. And they're like, all right, strike three. It, it was just an overmatched at bat, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, Otani's always been kind of like that. You know, he's either really in or really out, you know, hot or cold. And that's fine. Once again, that's baseball. But, you know, it really makes you stop to think. Like, is this guy really going to be worth what we're going to be paying him? Because it's going to be a crippling contract. You know, we'll be talking about Trout, Otani, Rendon cohesively making what 110 to 130 million dollars combined a year, depending how much Otani makes. And I, I just have a really hard time believing the Angels can build a winning team. And for anyone who's going to get mad at me for saying that. Where's the winning team been since 2020 with those three guys on the roster?
1: You really can't argue it. Like, even if I want to turn on my yeah. inner honk and be like, hey, man, you know, how dare you say that? That's sacrilegious as an Angels fan. It's like you can't argue it with a, the with a 500 record that we've been sporting or less the last few
2: years. It, it's been stars and scrubs for a long time. It really has been. You know, I mean, uh, we had touched on the Ducks a couple of times and it was the same kind of mentality for them too, Stars and Script, and it worked out for them for a little while. Did they win any Cups? No, but they had some deep playoff runs. And at the end of the day, that's all you could ever hope for. A deep playoff run, and once you make the dance, you know, you either win or you don't. That's how sports work. But it has not worked for the Angels for a very, very long time, you know, since Trout came over because they've tried to build the team around him and that's no disrespect to him. He's a player worth doing that. But you know, once he he's always had two large contracts around him that have crippled the franchise. You know, Hamilton, Pujols, Trout, you know, Trout, Pujols, Rendon, Trout, Pujols, Ohtani. Well, actually, no, because Ohtani was wasn't even paid much for his first three years here. He was getting paid league minimum. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it was it was Trout, Upton, Pujols. Yep. So. Well, if you guys
1: want to move on, we can move on to the, uh, the the matchups with the White Sox and start talking about them. Or do you have uh, any more points you want to touch on, Rob? Or?
3: No, I mean, it's pretty much the same old song for us, right?
1: Yeah. Well, let's dive into today's game, which is Michael Kopech starting for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, in 10 starts this year, he's got a 4.24 ERA. He's allowed already 12 home runs. Um, in just uh, 57 innings pitched so he does give up the long ball he'll be opposed by our boy Griffin Canning uh, Griffin Canning comes into the game uh, sporting uh, in his eighth start of the year he's three and two in 36 innings pitched with a 4.95 ERA um, real quick on the White Sox lineup they're sporting Anderson Benetendi Ro- Robert Jr. Jimenez Mancata. Mon- Avon, Sheets, Gonzalez and Zavela as a catcher. So their their bottom 3, bottom 4 guys are batting 250 or below. Uh what are your thoughts on this game? Um where do you think we win this one
2: versus Kopek? I mean, they're the fact that the bottom of their lineup isn't amazing doesn't help us very well. Normally the number 9 hitters are the guys <laughs> who beat us. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's a catch-22. For us, absolutely um griffin kenny looked uh, i mean had arguably the best start of his career his last outing um really right now for me it, it's gonna all depend on the offense it really is If the offense can stay hot uh, or the offense can get hot sorry um maybe we win this game but unfortunately with the way they looked flat yesterday i'm gonna have to go with it's gonna be a loss i think kenny's gonna pitch well but i just don't think we're gonna be able to pull this one out
3: what you got rob um, it just depends on the discipline at the plate today. I mean, honestly, like we, like I was saying earlier, this guy walks a lot of guys. He has – there's predominantly fastball, and we like to look at fastball for some odd reason and chase those sliders. That's a secondary pitch, He's out pitch. I mean, he has a slider – he has a, a curveball and a changeup he rarely throws. But looking at his last – his 10 games that he's pitched, the last two games, it was 67% fastball, 70% fastball. So this guy, if you get on him, you got to jump on him early and – like I said before, that Trout has O-O counts. That's what well on the middle swing. But uh, honestly, with Canning pitching as well as he did last time and the team right now seems like a an you know, all-time low for the season. And I see a loss today because I see us not making adjustments. And then all depends what Nevin does too, man. Every time they're going to throw a lefty out there, you are going to put a right-handed hitter up or vice versa and keep switching around and playing these matchups. I'm not a big guy on these matchups. Oh, if you're a lefty, you can't hit a lefty. Says who? How did all these? How did Tony Gwynn succeed? How did Ted Williams succeed? How did all these other guys? So every time a righty comes up, we're going to bench Trout too.
2: Well, it's also funny that those two guys you brought up were pure hitters. The Angels, where we currently stand, I don't think have any pure hitters. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you have to dive pretty deep to think of the last time the Angels had a pure hitter. Mm -hmm. I would maybe throw you Neil Escobar's name on there, and I know everyone's like, "Oh, here, here we go, talking about Escobar." But Escobar was a pure hitter. You know, he was a, a two eighty to three fifteen kind of guy. Yeah. Besides that. G-
3: Gio right now, to be honest. Yeah, he's okay.
1: Consistent. Yeah, Gio's yeah. probably the only guy. Yeah. Driving he, the ball the way it's coming. Yeah, I like yeah. it. He he's he's a type of hitter that has the mentality of like, hey, they're gonna give me a fastball, I'm gonna drive it. Um, they're gonna pitch me outside, I'm gonna poke at the right field. You know that, You know,
2: uh, Neto. He's been proving lately that he's a pure hitter. He he doesn't try to do too much. I mean, what, three home runs? Great. He's starting to show a little bit of power, and which we all kind of knew he would as he got a little more comfortable. But, you know, he he hits the ball the way it's coming. He's he's proven to be a slapper as well. Mm
3: -hmm. On two, did you guys notice in the Marlins series, Schumacher pulled his pitcher aside, the pitching coach, when came up to bat, they had him slide step twice to throw off his timing with that huge leg kick. They're Mm -hmm. finding ways around him now. Because that huge leg kick is going to hurt him. He needs to have one batting stance and one stance only. Get rid of that huge leg kick because I don't care. You're not Willie Mays Hayes. I don't need you to hit a home run every time you come at bat. Drive that ball because teams are making adjustments to you. I do agree he could be a pure hitter. But if if uh, teams are going to do that to you and throw your timing off, that huge leg kick is based off of what? Time. guy has a high leg kick, then all of a sudden he does a slide step on you. With nobody on, the guy did a slide step. I was like, was that a quick pitch? They was like, no, it was a slide step. They're starting to beat him at at his own game a little bit.
2: And and we saw that when Otani first came over from Japan. They were making him look silly during spring training in 2018 because Otani also had that massive leg kick. And I think it was right before that first game, before uh, opening day in Oakland, he adjusted from a long leg kick to just that little toe tap he does. And we've seen Neto do that occasionally, I believe, on two strike counts. And he seems to do okay when he just does the toe tap. But you know that's up to Neto. You know he needs to make that adjustment as as a major leaguer. I understand it's worked for him up to this point, but as a major leaguer, you can't be prideful.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he can. You know his average has been rising up, but dude, he could he could be a lot better. Like you guys said, if he didn't have that high leg kick. Um. So I, I'm I'm also gonna agree with you right there. I think they take the loss, and it's unfortunate because Texas just freaking shut out. Uh, their opponent five nothing Detroit, so we're six and a half out currently speaking. So that would set up tomorrow's game: Lucas Giolito versus Tyler Anderson. And Giolito started; he'll be going for his 12th start. He's three and four with a 3.98 ERA. He has allowed nine home runs in those uh, 11 starts prior to this one. And uh, let's get back here to Tyler Anderson's numbers here. Tyler Anderson is uh, in uh, his nine starts. He's just got a record of two and zero because we we like to give out no decisions to our starters. He's got a four point eight one ERA. It's it's been gradually coming down as Rob mentioned. Uh, but how do you guys see this one playing out, uh, Giolito versus Anderson?
2: If you look at Giolito's numbers per batum, they don't sound very impressive, but then you look at his baseball savant page, he his whiff percentage is 59th percentile, so not bad. He he's, he doesn't have a lot of velocity anymore. He's a 93-mile-an-hour fastball kind of guy, and he's throwing his fastball 47% of the time, and it's a fastball up in the zone. We have a lot of our big hitters struggling with that fastball up in the zone. You know, Trout's gotten a little bit better, but the, the thing that I'm really looking at here is his whiff and his chase rate are very respectful. He only throws his fastball 1% of the time. But if you look at his baseball savant page, he has, he has a lot of success on that curveball in the dirt. Our guys love to chase curveballs down in the dirt, and that's what terrifies me. But the only kind of saving grace we have here is his changeup down in the middle part of the zone is getting barreled extremely heavy. Who's really good at fast or a changeup and curveballs down in the zone? Mike Trout loves the changeup and really any breaking pitch down at the knees. So, if a guy like Trout can sit on that pitch down at the knees, he can have some success. And I think Giolito would challenge a guy like Trout with a changeup down in the zone on the first pitch because he knows that Trout's not going to swing at that. And then Trout's going to start sitting change-up, and that's when he's going to make him look silly on a fastball up in the zone. So if Trout can make an adjustment like that, or if he can swing change-up first pitch, I think we might be talking about a good night for the Angels. So if the Angels can make that kind of adjustment, I think we can have success that day against Giolito and get a win.
1: Okay.
3: Wait, I'm agree go. with that, too. I, I agree. I mean, Giolito's coming off a tough loss against Detroit, right? He gave up uh, six runs. Last outing, he beat a Kansas City team who wasn't too good, right? Granted, I know they were pitching a perfect game at some point today, but that got blown up. But, uh, no, with Anderson, I mean, he's turning that corner. I was wrong. I wasn't big out of him at spring training. I voiced that opinion that he needed to make adjustments. He was failing to. His swing and miss rate wasn't there. He wasn't executing those pitches in the proper zones, setting guys up. And uh, he just kind of turned that corner a little bit. He looked good against Boston there and uh, hopefully today. Uh, I mean tomorrow. Sorry, we'll see a little bit better from.
1: Yeah, I, I like uh, Anderson in this matchup uh, as well, and I, I think the, the White Sox, you know, their bullpen's been uh, very suspect. So, and their hitting has been much like ours, which has been off and on. So, I'm I'm going to go with the Angels in this one. I think Gialitto doesn't get the support, and I think the bullpen doesn't help him out either. And we uh, we get a nice little win there. Um, so one and one, let's see if we can get the rally Chris special. It'll be Lance Lynn getting the start. Uh, he'll be going for his 12th start. He's four and five. He have, he had an absolute terrible start to the season He's pitched better of late. He's allowed 12 home runs and 63 in 63 and a third innings pitch. He has almost a six ERA at 5.83. Uh, but his last couple starts have been pretty decent. Uh, and he'll be opposed by a guy who's been yanked more than a yo-yo through this organization, Jaime Biera. Uh, he's one and one, uh, uh, or one and two, and he's got a 1.55 ERA making his second start. His only start was that five innings of shutout ball he pitched.
2: I like Jaime. I've liked him since he made his uh, – ro- his rookie season was 2018, I believe. Yes. Um, I- I've always been a fan of him. Uh, I-, I just wish he would have a home in the organization where he has a legitimate role. Like you said, man, the guy's getting thrown around more than a gigolo in Buena Park. And, um, <laughs> Back to that, huh? He- <laughs> Uh, I'll find a new one uh, at some point, but as of right now, that's the hot hand. It's a good one
1: though. You got to play it.
2: Yeah. But I don't want to keep my jokes going like Grillmaster. There you go. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, I, I like Jaime. I I think he continues to prove that he has a home here in this rotation. Unfortunately, we're getting near the end of him becoming a free agent. So there's going to have to be a decision made on him. He might be somebody who has some trade value, especially if a guy like Otani gets shipped off. But uh, yeah, I think we get a win here. So uh, call me crazy. I'm calling the rally Chris special.
1: Okay. Rob?
3: I'm the same. rally Chris special here. I think Bria, I mean, Bria has been pitching really well. I think he has a lot to prove for himself out there that he belongs in this rotation and in the organization itself. And he's going out there and showing it. And every day is an audition for him at this point in time. For him, it's it's the point not to go back to Salt Lake or that long reliever position in the bullpen because that's a miserable spot to be in, right? You go in there when you're blown out by a lot or up by a lot. You don't really feel like you're making a difference in the team, right, contending-wise and all that stuff. So I I think he wins and uh, helps us out and kind of puts us in the spot where we kind of need to make a decision on what we're going to do with this rotation. Is he staying or is he going? And I think he stays right at the end of the day and you got to move forward with him.
1: Yeah, I hope so as well. I I think this is the one game I'm going to preach uh, launch angle with a fastball movement. And, you know, if he if he doesn't have his, you know, his secondary pitches, he's going to be relying heavily on that fastball. And it seems like we love to hit home runs and look for the fastball first. Hopefully Mike Trout can catch up to one, uh, maybe Otani as well. But I do like Jaime keeping the ball down. Uh, His movement's been sick out of the pen and as a starter. So I, I like him, too. I'm I'm also going to go for the Rally Chris special in this one. So two out of three against okay. the White Sox.
2: For the record, I did look it up. So he's a free agent after the 2025 season. So he still has two more years of control. So, you know, we could be talking about a guy who we probably should move at the deadline if come the end of July, even if we're at a point where we can make a, a trade, I think Jaime Barea would have – some decent return if he's still hot at that time. You know, he's been a pretty decent pitcher throughout his career. And with two years of control, that's very appealing to teams. Especially a team like the Rays, who, you know, have some pieces they might be okay with trading away because those guys are going to get a little more expensive.
1: Yeah, I mean he could fill in start for them. He could he could be a, a valuable bullpen piece come playoff time for anybody really. Yeah. So um, what do you want to move on to, or do you guys have any uh, other thoughts?
2: I mean, I, I think that's really about it. Right. I mean, we've we, we talked a little bit about the Marlin series. There wasn't too much to talk about. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about was uh, I, I finally went to Noble. We should probably talk about that because they're our sponsor. We haven't shouted them out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, good family friendly environment. There was, there was some kids there. There were some families there. Uh, they had some good barbecue. They had some great beers, definitely yeah. worth checking out. Um, I, I enjoyed it. And I'm not a big brewery guy. I, I, I don't typically like breweries, but I like the vibe. Uh, I like the environment.
1: Yeah, we got, we, we'll we add some swag there, and then it'll, it'll be worth it. Because, again, anytime you guys go, or gals or families or whatever, uh, for beers anyway, for the adults, they can take a dollar off just by mentioning Halos in the infield. And uh, and they have also specials that you can uh, – call out after the seventh inning of any game that you're watching there after the seventh inning you can uh, say halos in the infield and buy one get one free so i mean come on you can't beat that on pints and they have all kinds of good beers they have also seltzers well until they last i mean the one ran out they had a mango uh that ran out right before uh we got there so
2: darn it i would have loved to try that one
1: yeah so there's, there's different beers they have they have cereal ones like the cinnamon toast crunch everyone seemed to like uh, so yeah, definitely shout them out and I'm glad you brought that up uh, Fernando. Uh, one more thing I was going to ask you though. Uh-huh. Before we got to hear your your guys's thoughts on the youth movement in the bullpen. We now have Bachman up, we now have Silseth up obviously, and we just called up Joyce. You guys like that?
2: You know, exciting for these young kids sure. Awesome to see, you know, these young guys getting a chance. But if I would have told you guys that these guys would all be up cohesively at the same time, two months into the season, we all would have said, oh, God, because that tells us that we're getting stretched pretty thin. So I'm definitely very worried about the state of our bullpen. You know, this could very well work out. You know, we saw it work out for the Brewers when they got guys like Corbin Burns up, you know, for these bullpen roles, And now he's one of the best starters in baseball. So this could very well work out in that department. Obviously, Ben Joyce isn't a starter, but Bachman is. Um, But I'm not crazy about it. I think it's a little terrifying that these guys are up when they're up. But uh, we don't really have a choice right now. just says a lot where we are.
3: I'm going to go the opposite way on that. Um, I'm happy to see it because these guys need to get innings in. And I don't care if you're in double A, triple A, or major league baseball. He's so pro baseball, right? You need to get you need to see what you have out there, and this is your time because there's plenty of guys who come in and succeed at a young age, like Zach Neto, right? This guy last year was playing at Campbell University. They're in the Super Regionals from the Regionals, right? Playing in would you, would you say it would be when he uh, got drafted last year? Oh, hey, he's gonna be our starting shortstop next year. I never would have said that, but at the same time, I'm for it because baseball's baseball reps are reps. At the end of the day, you just have to have that short term memory. Right? What is that Ted Lasso thing? Why is it the goldfish the best bet? Has a 10-second memory? I don't think I <laughs> saw Ted Lasso. Yeah. Go ahead. Be, be a goldfish, right? Be out here. Have a short-term memory, right? Go ahead. Execute each pitch by pitch. Forget about the last batter and do what you got to do in the situations. We looked at our bullpen. We were in desperate need of everything because Chris Davinsky right now is looking like one of our stronger arms. Just picked him up, right? I have the minor leagues. Aaron Loop dead arm. Ryan Tapera dead arm. Looking at it overall. And there's just a lot of guys who aren't there. And I don't think Chase Silseth is the answer in the bullpen. He's a starting pitcher. We're screwing with his mindset as well, too, putting him in the bullpen. I'd rather see a younger guy who is known, like Ben Joyce, in the bullpen to go ahead, hey, you're our guy here. And with the stupid rest things that we're doing, freaking Nevin, you can't pitch two days or three days in a row, whatever it is, As a closer. You lose the Steves there. You lose your power arm. But now, you have Ben Joyce going up there. So if I go in there, I can go ahead and throw a uh, Aaron loop in there. For a couple right at 89 90 miles per hour and ben Joyce, flamethrower, go in there you're gonna throw timing off it's all about that it's what you have setting up in my opinion that's what i think what how you set up other hitters and other batters how many times did you see the marlins change pitchers mid-inning no reason just to change the look of the pitch the guy threw three quarters one guy threw up over the top with a downward angle it just it, it confuses the batters a little bit it's just seeing something different and I don't care; if those iPads are there. Yeah, you can see it, but it's nothing like seeing it live. And when you oh, see yeah. a live pitcher, that's different than anybody else. You're going to get a different look overall because we can't rely on Jacob Webb, right? I don't think he's been too good. He's been decent. Has he been good? No. It's just nice to see these younger guys come in with experience. It's not like they're out of high school. You guys are out of college. They've had experience. They know what it's like to play in a loud place and loud situation. Ben Joyce did it. Silseth did it. Zach Neto did it at Campbell. I mean, they're not. College sports have changed a lot, right? College baseball is pretty big nowadays. Oh yeah. So that's, I mean, I think it's a good thing overall. We need it because what are we going to do? Tucker Davidson again? I mean, all these other guys just going through. These guys are starters, and you're putting them in bullpen situations. And I'll speak from my experience. Himself, I was a starter my whole life. I got the uh, college; they put me in the bullpen. I struggled like no other. I had the starter mentality. Took me forever to get ready. I could never make the adjustments. Ego. And selfishness was a huge part of that. Don't get me wrong. Immaturity, which I clearly displayed the whole entire time. But these guys are going to find the same thing because at the end of the day, if you're Ben Joyce and you walk up, you see Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, you're not going to be amazed. Come on. You guys are just watching these guys. So little things like that. But I think these the youth movement is what's needed because how's Tampa Bay getting by? How are all these other teams, Oakland, getting by? To get this youth movement coming in, the guy does well, keep him for three or four years, ship him out, get a huge youth movement in return for that one player. And then you're good. You're set up for another five years. So, that's, yeah.
1: the, that's the hope that they can all click, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so that's what we're uh, t- talking about, about the pitching. It's it's going to be a wait and see mentality. And unfortunately, like the youth movement, they're not going to come in like Frankie Rodriguez. They're going to take their lumps and we're just going to have to be patient with them. If it's you know, it's one thing if it's it's a pair in a loop, like you said, they're veterans, they know better. But uh, we're we're going to have to see and and watch, learn and listen as uh, as we go along here. So, as we wrap it up, any final thoughts? I'm I'm pretty much done for this episode as well.
2: No, I guess the last thing I wanted to say was uh, thank you to the listeners who uh, I saw tweeting uh, things about like seven one four tickets, for instance, like. Uh, the uh, the the UK account, mm-hmm. Angels UK or whatever. Angels UK. Yeah. He uh, he needed tickets for the game, and we we were getting tagged like, "Oh hey, you know, seven one four tickets. Use the code Hitty." So I I just wanted to thank the audience for you know, for for doing that for us. That's awesome, and it, it lets us know that a people are aware, b people care, and that uh, you know people just care about the page overall. So thank you to the listeners who, uh, who who try to help out a fellow fan.
1: There you go. All right, so for Todd Fox, Fernando, and Rob, have a good one, guys, and go Angels.
2: Bye, everybody. See you guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Halos in the Infield. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media and go ahead and give us a five-star review wherever you've got this. Make sure to subscribe and like on YouTube. Special thank you to 714 Tickets and Noble Ale Works. Make sure to check both of those wonderful companies out. Have a great rest of your day, Halo fam.